Welcome to the Worship Place podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. And so, and so if you'll look with me in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 1, verses 17 and 18. I'm reading from the King James Version, because in this case, the King James doesn't obscure here. It actually really makes it clear. And David lamented with his lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And he told them to teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. I want to teach from the subject tonight, Judah's arrows. Let's uh, invite the presence of God to bless. Precious God, in the mighty name of Jesus, in Jesus' name we thank you for the power of your spirit, Lord. We pray that the hand of God would be upon us and help us, Lord, to be able to craft strategic warfare worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Praise God. You may be seated. We're going to be talking about warfare worship. I think oftentimes even Pentecostals can make the mistake of treating worship like it's welfare worship. Like we worship in order to benefit ourselves till we feel good. I mean, let's say this. That is a, that is a consequence of worship. But when that becomes the focus of worship, I think we open ourselves up to tremendous vulnerabilities that um, we might put a, paint a big target on our back, so to speak, for the enemy to come after us. I believe that we are in a battle. The day that you chose Jesus, you unchose the prince of the power of the air and the God of this world and all the allurements and attractions and, um, and that come with living a life outside of Jesus Christ. But let me give you just a little bit of context before we get moving on this. Jonathan and Saul had just been killed in battle. And a lone Amalekite came running into the camp where David was, exhausted and tired and clutching in his hand a royal crown and a bracelet. And he came to David and he said, I was, I was with the Israelites when they were under attack. I'm an Amalekite. And Saul, your king, saw me and beckoned me over to him. He said he was mortally wounded. And he had tried to finish himself off so that he wouldn't fall into the hands of the enemy. But he was unsuccessful at committing suicide, and so he called me over and said, step on me, forced the dagger all the way through so that I won't fall into the hands of the enemy. 
He said, so your servant did what Saul asked him to do, and I brought back his crown and brought back his artifacts here to prove to you that it was Saul that I had dealt with. Of course, David was so distraught. That didn't bode well for the messenger. <laughs> Sometimes you... Uh, ha, look, have you ever lived for God long enough for God to reveal to you the, thought, the things that you thought you were getting brownie points in heaven for was offending him? I told you about the time God got on to me. Is that I just had this, I got this spirit, Lord. I got this, I got this. But God was seeing it for what it really was. Let me work my own plan. Don't make, don't make that kind of a mistake. Even if it's a good thing you're planning to do, invite the Lord to give you direction. Amen. Even for the things that you think you know you can do without praying about it. I didn't expect the you know, ceiling to fall in on us and if people just... <laughs> shout out in the parking lot, but it is true that we need to be careful to consult God and invite God uh, into, our, into our plans. So, so, you know, Jonathan mastered the art of archery. If you remember, David was so convinced in Jonathan's ability to use a bow and arrow that when he needed a signal to sing, signal him as to whether it was safe or not to come into the palace of Saul, uh, David said to Jonathan, you just shoot an arrow. And if, and if it falls short of the mark, I'll know that I can come in. If it, if it, if it passes the mark and you say to your, your caddy that's picking up the arrows for you, the arrow's gone beyond you, then I'll know it's time for me to run. Good thing nobody puts that kind of responsibility on me. I did think of having one of these axe-throwing companies come by sometime and have a men's meeting where they set up these targets and you just, you just go back to the Stone Age and, and some of the ladies are saying, I want to throw an axe. Who do you want to throw it at? And so they set these targets up and you... Sounds like fun. I shot a compound bow one time. Preaching for a preacher and he had a target set up in his backyard. He had a bale of hay and a target and it was an open space into the woods. And he, he said to me, and I'm, I'm a, we're newlyweds. He said to me, hey, you want to try it? What are you going to say? No. You're going to wimp out? That the way you're going to be? Now I don't have any problems wimping out when I don't feel like doing something. But then, so I give it to me. So I pulled it back. You're going to think I'm imagining this. This really happened. I aimed, let go of that arrow. It went boom right in the bullseye. I gave it back to him, and I said, that's all we need to know, folks. <laughs> First and last time I've ever shot a compound bow. Jonathan was quite the archer. 
Um, the tribe of Benjamin were known for their military expertise. They had 300 left-handers that could, that could, that could sling a sling and, and hit a target within a hair's breadth. Not so much for the people of Judah. They were known for this. Judah means praise. Judah was, it's not that praise doesn't serve its purpose in warfare because you know that Jehoshaphat went out there with nothing but praisers in front. And God discomfited the enemy and caused the enemy to self-destruct. And Israel didn't even have to fight that day because God did their fighting for them when they worshiped God. But what David does now is he realizes that they had been taken out by um, Saul and, and Jonathan are dead. And David is sad. And he wants, he understands that one of the greatest antidotes to sorrow is to get up and do something to improve your relationship with God and your usefulness to the kingdom. All right? Because Satan's master strategy, and he's come against every one of us if we've lived for God any length of time, especially when you gave it your very best, and your best didn't work. And the devil says, do no more. Hang your harp on the willow. Give up trying. If the devil can get us to convince ourselves that we tried our best and our best wasn't good enough, that we might as well just quit and let somebody else do the praying, let somebody else make the sacrifices, let somebody else win the souls, then he's got you right where he wants you. Come on, somebody, in the name of Jesus, we are going to come back. We're going to recognize that when things don't go right and you've endured a loss, that no loss is forever, that we're going to dig in. We're going to come back to the drawing board. We're going to learn something new. Oh, Who was it that said insanity is really doing the same things over and over with greater intensity, expecting there to be a different result. Listen, sometimes God does a new thing. Sometimes the people of God need to do a new thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the, I did a new thing today at Walmart. I went to pick up a few groceries, and there was a lady with two children, maybe five or six or eight years old. You know, children that age, two boys, they're always hungry. And I was right behind her, and she ran out of, she was watching the cash register. And for those of you that have never had to do that or bring a calculator, because you got only so much funds and when the funds run out, there's no fun. She ran out of money partway through the process, and she said to me, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to, and to the lady at the cash register, we're going to have to take all these things back. They were already there. And the Lord said to me, pay for the rest of her stuff. 
So I said to the cashier, just start charging me for the rest of this and give it to her. We'll take care of it for her. I, I really haven't done that before. I've given people stuff before and money before, but not, not that way. And um, when she turned and said, thank you, I said, God's been good. My flesh wanted to say, tell her what church you go to. Tell her you're a preacher. Tell her this, tell her that. I just said, God's been good to me. And she said, he's been good to me too. Sometimes you got to do something new and something different. And something sometimes better. Amen. And sometimes just being different makes it better. Because we're responding to the voice and the direction of the Holy Ghost. David wants Judah, the, the tribe of worship and praise, to learn warfare. I mean, there's nothing more powerful than we understand warfare worship. And that's my, my point here tonight. I want us to get the message of the possibility of overthrowing satanic minions not by grappling with them in hand-to-hand -hand combat, but by praising God through warfare, worship. Hallelujah. Let me say this. What you do with your mouth matters, especially in times of spiritual setbacks, especially after you fail, especially after you've lost Especially after you've been defeated, you got to watch what you do. How do I know that? Because if you look at, at uh, 2 Samuel 1 and 19, um, I didn't read it tonight, but it says this. David, after he found out that they had been slain and said, we're going to have to teach our tribe how to use a bow and arrow. He said this, the beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. These were pagan uh, cities. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice and lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Let me say this. Don't, when you fall, don't complain. When you fail, don't blame God. When somebody who is great in the kingdom fails, don't celebrate their failure. Don't give the devil anything to shout about when something goes wrong in your life or in the church. Hallelujah, learn how to use your words like arrows in battle that will take out the strongholds of the enemy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Switch into warfare worship. In other words, we're going to praise God till the mountains and the hills roll down until the prisons are thrown open in Jesus' name. I'm not going to ever give the devil something to shout about. I have been hurt by the failure of others many times in my life and service to God. And I haven't always responded the right way. Sometimes I got mad. How could somebody be so foolish? And I thought I had the reason that would have kept them from failing. And that's not, that's not what they need. That's not what God needs. 
That's what the devil wants to hear, our frustration and anger and all that kind of stuff. What we need to do, amen, is sharpen our, sharpen our warfare skills. The, because you know what? When he takes one king down, David said, I'm the next one in line. I may be next. Uh, we got to get ready for a counterattack in the name of Jesus. I call it here the trial of succession. Tribe of Judah, uh, you know, the tribe of Benjamin produced the first king of Israel. The tribe of Judah produced the second king whose kingship, whose family lineage of kingship would never end. And they would eventually produce the Lion King. And I don't mean the Disney one. I mean the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. And so I, he says, I got to teach the people in my tribe how to use arrows. Because arrows is how you, how you engage the enemy from a long way off. Praise God. Saul and Jonathan had been shot by archers. And so David wants to teach Judah how to beat the devil with the very thing he used to beat up on us with. If you took out kings with arrows, then we're going to take out the enemy with arrows. Then we're going to learn how to use the arrows. Come on, somebody. A trial is a terrible thing to waste. I know. There's a commercial that says something like a mind is a terrible thing. And that's true too. But a trial is a terrible thing to waste. How is it that we develop amnesia and we quickly forget the steps that led to a downfall when we need to use the experiences of failure to sharpen our wits, strengthen our prayer, cause our worship to be more dynamic and more powerful and more threatening to the kingdoms of darkness? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I'm ready to launch an arrow of warfare worship. Praise God. I want to lift the roof, amen, and say, God, I was in my car today. My wife said, we're, 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 every time we get a chance to cry out to God. There's, an old, there's a book, it's been around a long time, The Power of Crying Out. If you can get it, you get it, Google it. It's used, you probably get it cheap, but it's worth the read, the power. When the children of Israel were backed in a corner over and over again, they cried out unto the Lord, hallelujah. And the Lord heard them and delivers them, praise God. And so arrows hit hell before hell can hit you. Thank you, Jesus. And as I, thought, as I thought about David teaching the children of Israel, or the children of Judah, rather, to use arrows and bows, I asked myself, what can we learn from the devil? What has the devil done to us or to people that we know that would serve as a lesson that could be a teaching moments for how to handle him the next time? So I just listed a couple of things. I'll share them with you. Number one, if I've learned anything by the, well hell, by the way hell operates, talk to yourself. Because spirits are speakers. There are many voices in the world, and none of them are without signification. 
try the spirits to see whether they are not of God. The many false prophets have gone into the world. What do I mean by that talk to yourself? Because if you don't control the narrative, Satan will. And the way you can tell if Satan is in control of the narrative is if it's always self-perjuring, self-destructive, negative, put down, impossible, pointing out impossibilities, rehearsing tragedies, reinforcing negativities. You don't want to live that way. You know, the devil has taught me I need to learn how to talk to myself and allow God to be able to talk to me so that we can drown out and silence the voice of the enemy who wants to control the narrative. Praise God. Secondly, something I learned from the devil is you can come back from your defeats. He has taught me that he cannot. And I see what happens to the disposition of a spirit that cannot come back from their failure. They get more and more vicious, vindictive, sinister, and evil. He begins in the garden as a serpent. He ends up in the book of Revelation as a red dragon. How does that happen? No way out of my failure. But I want to tell you something. Amen, people of God. You want to put an arrow in the heart of the enemy's stronghold? Recognize, I can worship my way out of almost anything. I can come back from failure of any kind. I can do what the devil cannot do. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We magnify your name. Thank you, Lord. Here's the third thing that the devil has taught me. I need to, all of ancient mystery religions, all of Satan, and I understand I read that the biggest satanic meeting happened last Sunday, I believe, in Boston. Some of you might have read that, that they came from all around and, and uh, you know, and what those, what those mystery religions basically do is they turn what God says to do basically upside down. They just reverse the righteous things of God. And uh, that's what they do. And so you know what the devil has told me to do? I mean, what the devil has shown me that I need to do? He won't tell you to do this. Glory in what hell hates. The devil hates the blood. Plead the blood. Plead it over your life. Plead it over your family. Plead it over your children. Plead it over this city. Plead it over this world in the name of Jesus. I celebrate the blood of Jesus for the, um, a lot of reasons, but one is hell hates it. Secondly, the devil hates the glory. But we have this, this treasure in earthen vessels. What is this treasure in earthen vessels? It is the glory of God. I don't know. I'm going to tell you, if we could ever get a revelation that you are the temple. You are the temple of God. 
Solomon built a temple of God, but you are the temple of God. And the glory of God dwells inside of you via the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you need to cherish that glory because that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Hell hates the name. Notice when Hollywood decided, I'm going to tell you, we should learn to be half as creative about how to praise God with words and expressions that we've never used before because Hollywood busies itself to try to find fresh ways to curse the name of Jesus. Amen. They don't just stick to some standard format. Oh, no. They just, they, they twist and turn and connoiter and reconnect and conjoin every kind of possible way to bring uh, degradation to the name, not of Muhammad, notice he's never cursed, not of Confucius, not of Buddha, but it's always who? Oh, hallelujah, for God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Hell hates the name of Jesus. It's the only name that the world curses, but we love that holy name, for there is none other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Somebody say the name of Jesus. They're going to say Jesus in prayer. We're going to say Jesus when we wake up in the morning. We're going to say Jesus when we lay our head down at night. We're going to say Jesus in the waters of baptism. Come on somebody. What a name. And again, hell hates your identity. He hates that you are an image bearer of God. He hates it. He wanted to be like God. But strange turn of events, God made you in the image of God, and he hates it. That's why the devil is behind this identity fluidity pandemic that's sweeping around the world. He hates people to think of themselves as being made in the image of God. He wants to corrupt that. But you need to know who you are. Now, this is not a scripture. This is from Sun Tzu. The ancient art of war. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Popular culture is living evidence that people have had the memory of the Bible, of Jesus, of New Testament Christianity erased from a generation. They don't know who God is, and they don't know who they are. 
The devil's got them right where they, he wants them. That's why somebody needs to learn how to use a bow. Somebody needs to know how to put some force behind our prayers and praise until this world, uh, amen, is shaken from its lethargy and from, its, from, this, from this lie that hell has foisted upon it and they're set free and revival comes in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to hasten to a close here. Hasten, uh, Satan is behind uh, the identity fluidity b- that we're seeing, and we need to come against it in prayer in the name of Jesus. Hell also hates divine covenants. I'm going to name a few of them. He hates the Edenic covenant. That's the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve in the garden. And what did that amount to? Be fruitful and multiply. We must understand that Satan hates a godly, covenantal, fruitful, multiplying, child-rearing, child-disciplining marriage. Hates it. Wants to dissolve it. Why? And and it's being fought tooth and nail to this very day with an intensity perhaps like no other, at least in recent memory in modern history, maybe as far back as, 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 as time. The Abrahamic covenant, what was that about? He said it's about stars and sand. It's about progeny and promised land. He said to Abraham, go look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Everywhere the sole of your foot shall go, I'm going to give that land to you. And he says, your descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky for multitude and like the sand which is by the sea innumerable. So what's the deal? God promised Abraham a people and a place. And to this day, The Abrahamic covenant is being fought in the Middle East, in the Gaza Strip. And people say that the the mount upon which, uh, you know, the temple stood at one time is, is the most disputed and valuable piece of real estate on planet Earth. God makes a covenant thousands of years ago. Hell still troubled by it to this day. The Mosaic Covenant, it involved a lot of things, but especially the Ten Commandments. What could be so offensive about the Ten Commandments? Apparently, the Ten Commandments are offensive enough to enough people that now it is against the law to place the laws of God in public buildings and institutions And they're being stripped of the Ten Commandments all around our country and presumably around uh, Western civilization. God gave the commandments to Moses 1,500 years before Christ and hell still fights those words to this day. That's something to me. Then the new covenant, the cross of Christ, the blood of Jesus. On Calvary, Jesus took the handwriting of ordinances that were against us and nailed them to the tree. You know what the cross is, among other things? Payment in full for the sins of mankind so that the devil had to hand over the deed of the human race 
to its rightful purchaser. Did you know that you have been purchased, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb? You are God's property. He owns you. You belong to him. Amen. Praise God. And so the anti-Christ spirit is the anti-cross spirit. It's the anti-repentant spirit. It's the anti-baptism in Jesus' name spirit. It's the anti-godliness spirit. Oh, but oh, I don't care what the devil don't allow. I'm going to celebrate the covenants that God has made with mankind anyhow. And I'm going to place myself in the realm of being a beneficiary of the promises of God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody right now lift a hand and thank him. Thank you for redemption. Thank him that you're the purchased possession. That you were bought with the blood. With the blood of Jesus Christ. Satan, hell rages all around, but he cannot take that right away from you. And so it's not, a, it's not good enough to be able just to use a bow and arrow. You've got to be able to hit the target. I'm going to close with this. The definition of sin is missing the mark. How many ever heard that one? Now, I don't know what kind of word picture you have in your head when you think of missing the mark, but I, I'll be honest with you. Until yesterday, I just thought about missing the mark, as you know, like somebody shooting an arrow, hitting a target, so that we're supposed to live, our life is supposed to be like that arrow hitting the target. Um, And if we miss the target, and the target would be maybe a righteous standard that God has for our lives or some obedience to God's word, but I asked myself this question, what if, what if the arrow is me and the target is God? How many's ever missed God? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you know you can love God and miss God? How many's ever misunderstood someone you loved? All the time. Happens in relationships all the time. So I asked myself, I want to learn how to worship. Not just for a feeling, but to touch God. I want to learn how to pray, not out of obligation, but to touch God. I want to read my Bible with the idea of getting a word from God. You know, everything that God created is in motion. If you, maybe they got some physics buffs here, but everything has angular momentum. They call it spin. Everything is spinning or moving. Nothing is stationary. Nothing. Even things that seem like they're stationary, if you look at them on a molecular level, there's all kinds of action going on. Everything that God spoken to creation, is in motion. Nothing is standing still. And God is light. (laughs) And light moves at the speed of what? If God is light, 
God's not sitting in some lazy boy recliner somewhere in the heavenlies. Light moves. Light doesn't stop. Light's in flow. So when we're going to try to, when, when, when our target is God, it's a move. This is my point. It's a moving target. What our problem is, we're creatures of habit. So we expect God always to be in the same, same. T- finding God is not like a basketball player practicing the free th- throw. That basket's always in the same spot. The line doesn't change. The distance is the same. The heights are the same. Still a challenge. But imagine if it could be, imagine if it moved all over the place. Imagine if it was a moving target when he was trying to hit it. Salvation is not static. Salvation is dynamic. Just like relationships are not static. I want every wife to turn to their husband and say these words. You're not the man I married. (laughs) All right, turnabout's fair play. Brethren, turn to your wife and say, well, you're not the woman I married. Are we? No. So relationships are dynamic. Adjustments are made. And too many times we treat God like the idol worshipers treat an idol made out of stone or wood that doesn't move and doesn't change and doesn't do anything. God's a moving. Relationships are moving targets. Salvation is not static. Let me read from the book of John 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Say that with me. The life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. If you'll give me my little... My little illustration, I'm going to close with this. And the headline read, I hope you can see that. The headline read from the Telegraph, National Telegraph newspaper and many, many others. Bright flash of light marks the incredible moment. Life begins when the sperm meets the egg. Do you see it? That's 24 seconds. Life began with a flash of light. Hallelujah. I've been seeking that light and wanting to stay in the confines of that light ever since I found Jesus. When you miss God, you miss life. When you touch God, you touch life. I want us to stand together.
I want us, hallelujah, to learn how to target our worship so that it overthrows the enemy and focuses in on God in such a way that the enemy won't have a second chance to cause us another downfall. Would you lift your hands right now and give God some warfare worship? David taught the singers how to use a bow. Hallelujah. When a singer and a worshiper knows how to hit a target, look out. This world will never be the same. Precious God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, precious Lamb of God, we thank you. We thank you right now for the power of your spirit, Lord. Let the hand of God minister right now in Jesus' name. Help me find you, seek you, and find you, though you be not far from any one of us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, pour out your spirit, Lord. Draw us to the light, God. Life began with light. Hallelujah, in the flesh. Life began with light in the spirit. And life's going to end in light when we stand before your glorious throne and the Lamb is the light. Thank you, precious Jesus. Thank you, precious Jesus. Hallelujah. Preach over and pray for somebody. Somebody's been under an attack. Pray a prayer. Pray a prayer that will gather them back. Amen. From defeat in the name of Jesus, precious Lamb of God. Precious Lamb of God. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all just close this service right up here in the front for a minute or two of prayer. I feel like several people need to come back from something that the devil said you can't come back from. Well, that's another lie. You can come back from anything. Hallelujah. Precious God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back from depression and sorrow and grief. I'm coming back from failure. I'm coming back from sin. I was disobedient. I'm coming back. Precious God, I was cold in my soul. I'm, I'm coming back in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Precious Lamb of God, precious Lamb. Come on, Judah, come on. Turn your worship into a weapon. Turn your worship into a weapon. Hallelujah, that threatens the gates of hell in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Paul and Silas turned their worship into a weapon that broke the prison apart and set them free. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're trapped by circumstances, worship can break you out. Oh, God, oh, Lamb of God, oh, Lamb of God, oh, Lamb of God, oh, Lamb of God. Thank you, Lamb of God, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to the altar. I'm coming back to Bethel. I'm coming back to the gate of heaven in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I praise you, Lord. I thank you for victory. I thank you for the overthrow of the kingdom of darkness. I thank you for revival. I thank you for healing and miracles 
Restore apostolic power and signs and wonders to your people, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We give you the praise. We give you the praise. We magnify you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God in heaven. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, remember when one of David's mighty men held onto that sword so long that he couldn't pry his fingers loose? Hallelujah. Oh, I can't wait for the day when worship takes us over. You know, when you can pick and choose, that's one thing. But when worship chooses you and you just get lost in the presence of God and you can't stop because God's glory is so powerful. <laughs> and the anointing is so majestic. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.